Party on, Todd. Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on. Well, welcome, fellow Party on Johncasters, to another episode of the Party on Johncast, the podcast where we talk all things theology, music, and what we're drinking. Mm. <laughs> How are you, Todd? I'm, th- I'm doing good. How are good. you? Good. This is Reverend Sal Samarco. I'm an ordained teaching elder in the Presbytery of Newton, working in the Validated Ministry of Chaplaincy. And uh, this is uh, Todd, uh, who is a... Who is? I'm, I love speaking in the uh, second per, third person of myself. Um, so uh, I am Todd, and I'm serving as a uh, uh, pastor of a church here in Newton. I'm, in the, I'm an ordained elder in the Greater New Jersey Conference of the United Methodist Church, and I am situated on higher ground from Sal. The only higher ground I give him. Short of divine providence. That's right. <laughs> Um, so, um, I think this is going to lead us right into our Hebrews segment. How do you know that God loves coffee? How so? He wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. Every time. Every time. That is never dying, folks. Never. Never dying. So, um... So what are you drinking, Todd? Well, I happen to be drinking an awesome... At least I think it's awesome. Uh, no, I happen to be drinking um, uh, blueberry cobbler coffee uh, from New England, the New England Coffee Company. So it smells uh, very good. Yeah, it's very aromatic, uh, but it isn't overly flavored. flavored like some some are. So yeah, it's a blueberry cobbler. It tastes like blueberry cobbler, not and raspberry, not raspberry. No, <laughs> and. It does. It's having me smelling, uh, smelling the coffee and and uh, cherishing it and and it's making me feel a little blue for Christmas. Very Ba-dum-bum. nice. Ba-dum-bum. Okay. Uh, well, I'm drinking uh, uh, the coffee that everyone loves to hate: uh, French vanilla iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Because <laughs> I know I, uh, I needed a reason to get out of my office today, so I went to get coffee. <laughs> Nobody stops a chaplain on their mission to get coffee. That's, That's about right. the only thing chaplains are allowed to go do without being interrupted. That's right. So, drink with very with hardly any skim milk in it, as is per Dunkin' Donuts. As is per Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, yes. Um, some people, when you ask for uh, cream, it's like I'll take a little coffee with my cream, please. Mm-hmm. When you ask for milk, it's like I'll take a little milk with my coffee, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that almost looks black. It just about is. So, um, well, that's what we're drinking. That's what we're drinking. So let's move on to our most excellent music segment. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I'll go first. I uh, my recommendation this week is uh, by an artist named Todd Agnew. Oh, um, I was excited. I thought you were going to say me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next time I'll recommend you. <laughs> uh, Todd Agnew was a contemporary Christian artist. Um, well, he still is. He's still performing. Uh, the song I'm going to recommend is from the early 2000s. So it's got that very alternative. Mm. Early late '90s, early 2000s vibe to it. Uh, it's called "My Jesus." Um, it's a great song about you know, kind of 
which Jesus do you say that you serve? Mm, that's um, an important question. Yep. So it actually has depth. Has some depth. So I'll read, I'll read some of the lyrics. So it says, uh, If Ephesians says to imitate Christ, then why do you look so much like the world? Because my Jesus bled and died. He spent his time with thieves and liars. He loved the poor and accosted the arrogant. So which one do you want to be? Uh, a second chorus says, Because my Jesus bled and died for my sins. He spent his time with thieves and sluts and liars. He, <laughs> he gets edgy. He gets edgy. Uh, he loved the poor and accosted the rich. Uh, but this is my favorite line. Where'd it go? Because my Jesus would never be accepted in my church. The blood and dirt on his feet would probably stain the carpet. <laughs> but he reaches for the hurting and the despised and the proud. Uh, and then he says, I think he'd prefer Beale Street to the stained, stained glass crowd. I guess that's a street in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, Beale Street. Yep. Yep. Wow. So. Wow. I mean, I've got like goosebumps hearing those yeah. lyrics. So um, he he really, call, he really calls out, he even has a line where he talks about, um, where is it? Who is this that you follow, this picture of the American dream? If Jesus was here, would you walk right by on the other side or fall down and worship at his holy feet? Yes. <laughs> uh, pretty blue eyes and curly brown hair and a clear complexion is how you see him as he died for your sins. But the word says he was battered and scarred, or did you miss that part? Sometimes I doubt we'd recognize him. <laughs> so. Is that why he was a contemporary? <laughs> like, did they run him out of town after I, that? I think they may have. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like that almost goes. That's almost like that's like Rich Mullins. It's, he's got a yeah. He's got a Rich Mullins kind of vibe to him. Yeah, like like totally bucking the the status quo of the church, which I love. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And does does it does that have a music video? I know there's a lyric video online, so we'll share. So we'll share notes. either the legit video or a lyric video if there is no legit video. All right, cool. That's pretty rocking. Yeah. Um. And I've heard some of Todd Agnew's stuff. Like the, uh, he has like a uh, Amazing Grace uh, type. Amazing song. Grace. I think it's a Grace like rain or Grace like rain. That's Grace what like it rain. is. Grace like rain. Um, and I, I I know that song. And I know some of his other stuff. I don't know that I've ever heard that one though. Um, rock on. Okay, so my choice today is um, well, at first you may not think it's heavy metal. But I think it is the root of all heavy metal in some ways. Um, so my choice is Ludwig van Beethoven, uh, who is uh, see I'm I'm an eclectic guy, and I I don't just listen to modern music, but I listen to classical music. And Beethoven, what can be said about him? The, first off, the dude's totally deaf. Totally like deaf. if that's not heavy metal, playing like that, totally deaf. Um, is, I mean, that's heavy metal. Uh, plus, if you know, um, if you know anything of the life of Ludwig van Beethoven, he had a heavy metal kind of life. I mean, he, he, he had a lot of, uh, downs and some ups, um, very melancholy, very, uh, tortured soul. And what I love about his music is whether it is on the softer side or whether it is on the heavier, like, uh, fifth symphony side, um, he totally uh, pours his heart and soul into his music. And this isn't to knock people who like Mozart or some of these other guys. Um, 
But Beethoven, like, he didn't, he put his soul into his music. Like, when you listen to Mozart, there are some pieces where you can probably capture some of Mozart's soul, but a lot of it was, like, pay for play. Mm-hmm. Or play for, yeah, pay for play. You know, like, you get paid by the court to write a song about King so-and-so, and so you write this song, it's like... Yeah, and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you're talented, and you've done remarkable stuff with this composition, but I'm not feeling it. Right. You can't go into Beethoven not feeling it. Like, he doesn't let you. Like, when you enter his world of music, like, you are captured by him, and you're going through whatever you're going through... Um, and whatever he's going through, you're going through without even knowing it. Just hold on. <laughs> yeah, just hold on. Yep. And so, and the fact that he was deaf, and, and he was deaf. So I'm going to choose my my song of. I mean, I I don't know if I have a favorite song by him. I, Moonlight Sonata is awesome. Um, uh, I but I'm, I'm going to pick a, a song called um, the Ghost. Uh, Ghost is the piece, and it comes from his Ghost trilogy uh, uh, piano uh, trio. And um, and it is a super super slow song, and the and the recording I'm going to point you to of it is my own uh, little known secret. I love music. I record music, and uh, I record. I write my own songs, but I also love classical and try to uh, digitally record it. Yeah. Is this your Appalachian? Yeah, my Appalachian virtual ensemble. So I will point you to that um, now. Uh, is it as is it as technically good as like somebody who like you know a yo 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 ma playing it or something? Uh, no, but for fun, I I I do like to go through classical pieces and post that. Uh, another classical guy I love, and maybe I'll post this as well just for people to hear is List Franz List. Th- that guy is another one who is definitely influenced by by Beethoven and definitely pushed piano playing to the brink of insanity. So I think I'll post the the Ghost Trio, maybe Moonlight Sonata which I've done and um and also Dance Macabre by List. Those are my choices. Very good. Good choices. Thank you. Heavy metal, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's so much uh similarity to classical and yeah. heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all, there's also there's even sub genres of metal called symphonic metal and neo classical metal. Absolutely. And, and Trans Siberian Orchestra. Hello. Like, <laughs> like they take Tchaikovsky yeah. to the next level, right? Yeah. Like you know the Nutcracker. Yeah. And, or a prime example of uh, neo classical would be Ingve uh, Malmsteen, mm. uh, who even did a uh, an ensemble piece for electric guitar. This is totally like I was planning on talking about just Ludwig van Beethoven, but you know what? I'm going to throw in another piece that we will link to the site. Um, Trans Siberian Orchestra has an album called Beethoven's Last Night, and the whole concept is is Beethoven is thinking about selling his soul um, to uh, to gain extra life, I guess, or something like that. Um, anyway. And he has this back and forth with Mephistopheles as to whether he's going to sign or not. And it really brings out, I mean, of course, that's fictitious, but it really brings out the tortured soul of Beethoven. Uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra does some of his music plus some of its original. And it's a very, like, it's like an opera. Uh, So I will post uh, a link to that as well. And uh, maybe we can link also uh, Ingve Malmsteen's Concerto Suite in E-flat minor for electric guitar. Absolutely, and you will point me. I'll in point the you in the right direction. direction. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Who knew that this was going to be the the most excellent 
classical heavy metal music segment. Awesome. Okay, so um, on to our topic, which is the ever-awesome season of Epiphany. Epiphany. Um, I just had an epiphany. Did you? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I thought I inspired that. (laughs) Okay, so... Um, first off, let's divine, uh, divine, let's, uh, define terms really quick. Um, so epiphany is, um, the manifestation of, uh, Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the Magi visiting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you recall in the story, you have, uh, Jesus being born and visited by shepherds and all of that, but also who come to visit him are these three kings. We three kings of Orient are. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, the three kings, which really weren't kings, they were magis or astrologers or magicians or, magicians or wizards or, <gasps> heresy, heresy. Okay. So, um, some people don't understand that, the wise men were not, um, not they were not Christians, no. Uh, but in reality, they were like probably Zoroastrian or something like that, and they came from that area of I get Persia. The, or I get the feeling there's a backstory to that. There may be a backstory to that, but we'll, that's another, that's <laughs> we'll another. save that for another time. Uh, so, um, so anyway, Epiphany is the manifestation of Christ to the to the Gentiles. So it's, it, it was. You had the people of Israel who came to see Christ, and Christ came to the people of Israel. But Christ didn't just come for the people of Israel, but came for the whole world. And so the Gentiles, those who were non-Jews, those who were not Israelites... It's the incarnation to the rest of the world. Yes, the incarnation to the rest of the world. Um, And so... um, it's also known as Three Kings Day as well. Three Kings Day. And, and, And John, in John, the Gospel of John, it says... Uh, he came to the world, but the world did not uh, recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. So so it, it's that idea that, yeah, he came to his own people, which he, since he was born in Israel, he was an Israelite. Uh, but he also came to the world in which he created. So um, that is the, the basic definition of what epiphany is. Um, I would like to add to that. Uh, what I love about Epiphany, before we go into the deets, what I love about Epiphany is that, for me, it, it reminds me that Christmas Christmas in and of itself means nothing. It absolutely means nothing. And, and uh, we got into this the last uh, podcast mm. um, that, that Christmas wasn't even originally a thing, uh, and neither was Epiphany, quite honestly. No. But... Um, and I'll let you get into that in a couple minutes. But but Christmas does not end with Christmas. What I love about the Christmas season is when everybody else is crashed on their couch, staying home and eating TV dinners because they need to uh, recover from uh, losing all the money that they blew uh, getting presents for people. You know, uh, you have Black Friday and then you have uh, Red Sunday, so to speak, where everybody's <laughs> sitting on a Sunday in their house because they can't they can't afford to go out. Um, so uh, so. 
Christmas doesn't end with Christmas. In the Christian liturgical calendar, uh, Christmas is just the beginning just the of the season. So you have you have Christmas Eve, uh, which is still a part of Advent, and then Christmas Day in which Christ was born. Mm-hmm. But then the following Sunday is the first Sunday, Sunday in Christmas. Christmas. And then sometimes, not this year, but sometimes there's, there's also two. a second Sunday in Christmas. And then you get to January 6th, and here's a nice tidbit fun fact for you the the song the 12 days of christmas mm-hmm. on the first day of christmas my true love brought to me mm-hmm. um that's not the days leading up to christmas that's the days after christmas after christmas so what that's referring to is christmas day uh to epiphany um, christmas right christmas, christmas to epiphany christmas to epiphany and and that is the season of christmas christmas isn't just a day right it is and it's an entire uh it's a season well, fe- feast feast, feast season. period yeah it's a, it, uh, where we celebrate the gift well, in that song they're celebrating the giving of gifts mm-hmm. but the idea is christ is born let us celebrate each day for the birth of christ yeah. um and for the and for the uh for the uh, coming of the Word made flesh. So that's the Christmas season, and there's the there's Epiphany tide, which is the season of Epiphany between Epiphany and Lent. Yeah, and what what I love about the liturgical calendar is that it's countercultural. Mm-hmm. People want the the bang for their buck. They want the Christmas day, all the presents and the glory and the celebration, and then they want to go on with their lives and speed back up again. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about the church calendar is that we as human beings in our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, we think of it as linear. It's in a straight line from right. here's the past, there's the future. We're on our way between them, and I'm using my I'm mm-hmm. Italian, I'm talking with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but the church calendar, the liturgical calendar, is not linear. It's cyclical. cyclical. That's right. And so it is countercultural, like Todd said, because when the world wants to move on, the church calendar says, no, we're still... We're still in this. In this. And, and you know why that is, folks? Because we discussed this last time, too. We're still in this because Christ, Christ has not yet come again. Right. And we are a people not of just yesterday, but a people of the future and a part of our... Okay, let's, let's do this. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. On the third day, or no, he descended into hell, or the place of the dead. On the third day, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall judge the quick and the dead, uh, which means living and the dead. I, so I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy, Holy Catholic, Catholic Church, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. The part we forget is that Jesus right now, this period right now, Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of God the Father. Where we have not gotten to yet is the judging of the quick and the dead. We are still in this. And until Christ comes again, this cycle goes on and, and on. on and on. And so uh, we like to rush through it, get our presence, and move on with our lives. But but the liturgical calendar reminds us you can't move on until Christ comes mm-hmm. again. Yep. So, um, and... Um, and it causes us to slow down and to reflect, which we love. And, and I love the fact that Lent follows it shortly thereafter because that's another period of reflecting. reflecting. Um, so let's get into the history of Epiphany. What do you have to offer on, on All that? Right. So. so as we mentioned, it's the 12 days uh, after Christmas. And uh, 
Epiphany generally falls on uh, January 6th or the Sunday around that, depending how the calendar falls mm-hmm. that year. Uh, in the Eastern Eastern Christianity, so like the Orthodox Church, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, uh, Epiphany falls on January 19th because they are, they are not on the same mm-hmm. Gregorian calendar. Uh, and that's a whole other podcast. Uh, so for them, um, Christmas falls on January 6th and Epiphany falls on the 19th. Yeah. Um, just because of the way our, the separation of our calendars. Um, so when we're celebrating Epiphany, they're, they're celebrating, celebrating Christmas. Christmas. Isn't yeah. that awesome? That's awesome. I think that was divine. So that is. Yeah. I mean, so then even after that, so technically after January 6th, Christmas is still not over. It's still not over. That's right. Um, so, but... Epiphany really is the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus to not only Israel, but to the world. And Epiphany in Greek simply means manifestation. Um, It refers to the story in Matthew uh, of the three magi, the three wise men, Mm -hmm. three magicians, whatever you want to refer to. Just don't Uh, call them witches. Yes, because then you'll be called a heretic. (laughs) Uh, who follow the star uh, to the east, or from the east, uh, in the east, to find the baby. Um, in Matthew, it's actually in the house, not in the manger. Mm. Um, that's the, the two stories differ there. In, in Luke, he's born in the inn. And the story of Matthew, he's in the house, because that's where the mm-hmm. wise men find him. Uh, the wise men bring him the, the three gifts. And this is kind of where we get our idea of gift giving at Christmas, Uh Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, what do those represent? Well, well, gold. Gold is for the for king, the king. Yep, because he's the king. Frankincense because he's the priest. He's the purification, priest. right? And myrrh because he's gonna die. He's gonna die. Yep. Uh, myrrh would have myrrh would have been the oil that the women had arrived at the tomb to anoint him with. Correct. Yes. So it's essentially foretelling of his life. He's gonna be the king, the priest, and die for us Mm. um we don't really know there are three there are names for the three kings we really don't know what they are tradition says what they are um let's see i'm gonna butcher this melchior caspar and balthazar actually you nailed it nailed it nailed it (laughs) um so we really don't know when the wise men came to to the baby jesus um the tradition kind of says, uh, if you base it on the book of Matthew, it was probably when Jesus was a toddler. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, if you know the, the, the stories in Matthew and Luke, Jesus would not have been born in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the time it would have taken them to travel, um, we estimate probably he would have been a toddler. Um, can I pause yep, right there? Pause. Because uh, actually what's really interesting about this, and then I'll let Sal carry on, I want to really quickly read you what it says in Matthew. Because it, Matthew is where we find the, t- the, the account of the, the wise men. Believe it or not, Matthew and Luke are the only two Gospels that contain a nativity story. Mm-hmm. Mark and John do not. Do not. Uh, Mark starts off at the uh, baptism of Jesus. John starts off at the beginning of time. <laughs> yes, and, and then jumps into <laughs> And then just says, oh, and by the way, God baptized. became flesh, and there you are. Uh, so, um, so 
Matthew and Luke's gospel account, gospels, their accounts of, of the nativity story are not identical. I mean, the same basic points happen in it, but they're not identical. So I'm not going to read, Luke's is rather long. Um, but he gives a whole genealogy. and He goes into the genealogy. He, he's just like, he's a happy guy. Uh, so uh, what I am going to do, though, slowly as I turn there eventually, is I'm going to read you Matthew's account, because this is Matthew's account in a nutshell. I'm not going to go into the, the wise men end of it, per se. Uh, well, I will a little bit. So this is the birth. Uh, uh, so basically, this is the, the story here. Uh, now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah, and this is from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Uh, Onward. Now, the birth of the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to uh, expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. That's scandalous, folks, Mm. because it didn't say, it says she got, she conceived with a child from the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't necessarily see it that way. I mean, just think about that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, not Gabriel, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, to, to fast forward a little bit, in chapter 2, um, uh, verse, verses 1 onward, it says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who had been born to the king? Okay, so so Herod directs them. Um, he finds out that, you know, he asks them to go visit this, this king and let him know where they are so he can go worship and honor the king uh the messiah so to speak but really what he wants to do is kill them kill the child this is where you get the massacre of innocence or the right right so listen to listen to what the wise men say here then he sent them to bethlehem saying go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him bring me word so that i may go and pay him homage when they had heard the king they set out and there, ahead of them, went the, st- the star that had been sh- uh, seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Now, where did they find him? In the house. Wait. Not a manger? Not a manger. Not a stable? Not a, sta- not a cave. Hmm. Here's, um, here's something that, that most people don't realize about the, this. Matthew, when you read Matthew, there's nothing in Matthew that indicates that Mary or Joseph lived in Nazareth and took a trek to Bethlehem. The story reads as if Mary and Joseph live in Bethlehem mm-hmm. and they gave birth to a child in their home and the wise men visited them. In their home. In their home. It's in the Luke account that 
Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth and that they have to go back to Bethlehem because of a a census that um, may or may not have historically happened. Right. And we get the, there was no room at the inn because in Luke, Cataloma is translated as inn. What that would have been would have been a part of the home reserved for visitors. Yeah. Um, And which would have been above where the manger was the stable Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there is some thought that when joseph arrived in bethlehem with his unwed pregnant wife which would have been scandalous scandalous yeah uh, not that there wasn't room in the inn just not room for his unclean scandalous defiled wife defiled pregnant wife, who by the way in giving childbirth is going to defile their house with every bit of body fluid she has coming out of her not i know tmi but i mean we any of any of us who have witnessed childbirth we know it is a messy situation so um so they would have been with family just in a part of the house that would have been right with closer to the animals so that any fluids that came out would not defile the house. Yeah. And so, you know, you can defile my swine, but don't defile my family. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's important to understand these things. So, so Luke, you know, Luke is painting a picture uh, and giving an account in one way. Um, and it's very possible um, also if, if, if Mary and Joseph did, in fact, come from Nazareth and Matthew just leaves that out. I mean, he doesn't say one way or the other. It is possible if Matt, that maybe... Uh, once she had her kid and uh, things settled down and maybe they got married, maybe at that time when the Magi came, she was up living in the inn, so to speak. So all the same, the manger itself would have been a part of the house. house. Even if they came to the manger part, it would still be visiting the house. It is the house. And uh, and we get the, uh, as we said, we get the uh, the idea of him being a toddler because uh, after what Todd read, when Herod realizes that, the three kings have left and not told them where the baby is. He starts what's called the massacre of innocence, yes. which is he tells his his men to kill all boys under the age of two. Yeah, Coventry so, Carol. Yes. Yeah. Actually, Coventry Carol is an epiphany. It is an hymn. epiphany. Hymn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the that's the history around um, epiphany, where it comes from. So, really, the Christmas season goes from. Christmas Day to Epiphany. Uh, we explained the Eastern and Western churches kind of celebrate it at different points based on our calendars. Um, so now we get into the the, the nuts and bolts of this. Mm-hmm. Um, why Epiphany? What's the importance of Epiphany? I mean, Epiphany, if you say to somebody, oh, I had an Epiphany, it means you had a revelation. Something just occurred to you that had never occurred to you before and you've been illumined by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at the context of the definition that we started off with, uh, that it is an, that epiphany is the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the Magi in Matthew chapter two verses one through twelve, um, it is it is um, when you when you look at it as from that perspective, it is an epiphany, a rev, the revelation of who the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world is. It is an is. aha. It's an aha moment. moment. Yeah. Uh, and it's important to celebrate because, as we said, it's the manifestation of the Redeemer to the Gentiles. It's not limited to the covenant of Israel. It expands the covenant right. outside. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and... 
and and that's important. You know, that's impor- important in so many different ways. Um, it's important because if it if that were not the case, if if Christ were not for the Gentiles and was only for the Jews, mm-hmm. you and I and everybody else wouldn't be sitting around we talking wouldn't about be this. this. We wouldn't. This would not be a podcast. We wouldn't. The U.S. of A. would not be celebrating the holiday season. Right. Um, and it's important because this is something that the early church fathers and founders, the apostles, really argued and struggled with and fought over mm. in that first century of the church after Christ's death. Yeah, is, what? who do we include this with? Yes. And who do we include in this gospel? Does, <laughs> That's right. Is this epiphany moment really important? Is it really important and is it for everybody? Mm-hmm. Or is it just for a select few? Right. Um, uh, and I won't go into limited... Atonement or anything like that, <laughs> or uh, predestination, <laughs> predestination, or, or uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so that basic question, who do we include, has been a question that has both blessed and plagued the church throughout mm-hmm. the millennia. And we wouldn't be sitting here today. Uh, there might not even be a U.S. of A. if it were not for the gospel, mm-hmm. um, because of the way. The, the way or uh, because of the way um, uh, it, I should say beca- um, there would not be it might not be a US of A if, the, if it weren't for the epiphany including everybody uh, because the way we colonized was based off of religious uh, ideologies like uh, manifest destiny and pre you know like spreading the gospel spreading the gospel Making to all disciples. corners of the world and yeah um, but on another note it also, Epiphany reminds us of who we are including. Are we including everybody in our churches? Are we including everyone in our homes? Are we including everybody in our lives? Or are we doing what some of the early church wanted to do and keeping that for us mm-hmm. and us alone? Right. Who do we let in? Who do we let cross the border? Right. Who do we let into the country? Yeah. So so this epiphany question is more than just a, a theological uh, pointing back to a time that already took place, but it, it is very much, uh, it's very much important right here and right now. If we believe that Christ is for everybody and we believe that we are, if we believe that Christ is for everybody and we count ourselves as followers of Christ, meaning that we accept that Christ is Lord, that Christ has authority over every aspect of our lives, that Christ's teachings are pure and true and what we ought to not only um, uh, aspire to, but really try to live out uh, practically. If all of those things are true, how do we treat the immigrant? How do we treat the foreigner? How do we treat the gay person? How do we treat, uh, you know, the transgendered or or people of color or the poor or the liar or the liar or the, or the sinner slut. or the slut, as Todd Agnew says. Yeah, um, it really does beg the question of who is this that we follow? Yeah, um, and both Matthew and Luke uh, in their stories. Even though the Epiphany story is in Matthew, immediately after that is the story of the Holy Family mm-hmm. becoming refugees. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> it's really important that you know we can we as Todd and I as Methodist or Calvinist can differ on the means of grace, but we can both agree that the gospel, this epiphany moment in Scripture, is important because it is the message for all of us. All of us, yeah, yeah. Good word. Um, so that is, I think, epiphany in a nutshell. It is. The only thing I, I realized we forgot to do, Sal, is we forgot to talk about our shithouse theology segment. That's right. Um, we do have a shithouse theology segment, um, and it, we can't wait till next month to do it because it's more relevant this month. In fact, it would have been even more relevant last month uh, in December. But uh, you came across, and, and both of us have come across this before, uh, some, some um, theologian or professor or whatever the heck he is. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's a, he is a psychiatry. Oh, of course he is. A psychologist, <laughs> psychology professor from, I want to say Canada. He has repressed memories going yes. on there. Anyway. Uh, if you go, just check out his Twitter. All you got to do is check out his Twitter. Yeah. So, so he, just to bring this into it before we close, cause, uh, this guy evidently thinks that, um, Mary was raped by God. Uh, yes, in the in the day in the the days of Me Too, the Me Too movement, which was a very big topic this year, twenty or mm-hmm. uh, by the time you hear this last year, uh, <laughs> twenty eighteen, uh, which is a legitimate issue, legitimate concern. Uh, but he he shared this message in light of the Me Too movement that uh, probably one of the biggest Me Too uh, occurrences is when God raped Mary. <laughs> I so, mean, it's so it's so egregiously off um, that it's almost not even worth a mention. It just uh, there used to be a day when atheists would actually uh, use scripture to argue against scripture, <laughs> rather than using scripture as if it were. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is so bad because it completely misses the misses book. what happens in the the births in the the Mary story. Um, it says in Luke chapter one, verse 26 and onward in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I am a virgin, the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And then he goes on to talk about her cousin. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your Word. According, let it be according. So, if you if you see the the timeline there, the sequence of events, the angel describes to Mary what will will happen. She says, "Well, how's that going to be?" He explains it to her, and she says, "Oh, okay. 
I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So <laughs> let it be. So, I mean, I know this is going to be tricky, and we're not going to get into the finer details of, uh, of freedom of choice uh, in this particular thing. But, but from my perspective, Mary at any moment could have said, uh, no. no. And if she had said no, then we can go hashtag me too. Me too. If God decided to, you know, make her conceive a child despite her saying no. But what we have here in this story is Mary saying, yes. Yes. My God, yes. Mm -hmm. So it's not rape. (laughs) I mean, you you really have to, you really have to. Essentially what it is, is uh, an atheist who doesn't believe, who basically says God raped Mary without really any real knowledge of the biblical story. uh, Right. Right. Um, right. Um, now, one could say, well, God's God and Mary didn't have a real choice and, and all of that. Um, but that's reading into the story what's not there. Right. Because for all we know, Luke could have written it. Mary said no, and God moved on to, to Josephine. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> um, what is there is Mary saying, my God, yes. yes. Um, so, folks, um, that... That in and of itself doesn't need to be explained why that shithouse theology. Nope. Uh, but that wraps up our podcast for that today. Is. Oh, by the way, didn't forgot to mention that uh, with this epiphany season, if you are have never experienced it, uh, some of our Italian friends and Orthodox friends will have king cake Ooh, king for cake. epiphany. Ooh. Uh, if you've never had it. Ooh, have it. Go yes. experience it. Yes. Um, go experience king cake. Um, to conclude, though, I would like to give a little teaser. I am hoping, and it seems like it will come to be, that for our next uh, podcast, our February podcast, our February episode, um, we are going to have a special guest on our program. Um, he is a musician. I'm not going to give his name or or whatnot, but he is a, he's an accomplished musician, a phenomenal guy, and there could be some whiskey involved. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> just there saying. could be. Just, just, throwing, just throwing that out there. So if you are excited about music, if you are excited about, uh, about uh, uh, you know, interviews and, and, and whiskey, uh, tune in. Looking forward to it. Uh, yes, uh, that was the, that was the, uh, that was, the, that was, uh, uh, an awesome thing that, that, uh, that he said yes to that and, uh, he should be on, uh, next time around. I'm looking for it. And, and this is, I think if this does well, and I think is probably, I know it will do well. Mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, what we want to do at some point with this podcast is have musicians on if we can. A- absolutely. Uh, have musicians on. And the great thing about podcasting, you don't even need to be in the same location to do it. You That's can, right. You can Skype or uh, FaceTime or, or whatnot, Google Hangout. So um, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. And, uh, of course, uh, we wouldn't be our podcast if we weren't shameless. <laughs> we are shameless. <laughs> we are shameless. So here are some shameless plugs. Uh, I want you to, to check out, uh, first off, our podcast. Uh, podcast website which is partyonjohn.org um and we're also on all of well all of the uh or most of the major uh, uh outlets. outlets for that itunes spotify google, google play, play music um also uh check out lifegivingwatermessages.org uh, or yeah, lifegivingwatermsg.org, and that's my biweekly uh, devotion, or not biweekly devotion, excuse me. That's my biweekly uh, message podcast that I put out. My biweekly devo- 
And did I say bi-weekly again? Mm-hmm. That's my once a week message. A week. Per, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I think I was drinking something other than coffee. Uh, so, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so go to that. And then there is lifegivingwaterdevo.org, which is my biweekly uh, devotion uh, page. And all of that's free. Um, and uh, check out our good friends, uh, uh, Evan and Drew, at the God, Wh- God and Whiskey God podcast. podcast. Yep. And uh, check out... Uh, my blog at blackbeltspirituality.blogspot.com. Uh, there will be new content coming soon. Rock on. I Rock can't on. wait. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you know of any other good theology-based podcasts that you think we should know about, send us a, uh, uh, a shout at either of our um, social media accounts. Yeah, yeah. Any, any ideas that you may have, any thoughts, any comments, uh, keep it nice. But but uh, anything that you might um, you might want to shout out our way, uh, you can reach us um, and uh, and on our various uh, social media outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, certainly ideas for music, things you'd like us to review, topics you'd like us to talk about, all of that is fair game. Yeah. So let us know. Um, with that said, party on, Todd. Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. And don't be a jerk. Amen. I remembered this time. Amen. Be excellent to each other, my friends. Be excellent to each other. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on.